All right, let's begin this morning. Hallelujah. As you're finding your seat, we'd like to keep you up to date on some of the things that are happening around the chapel. So let's begin today. So if you have your phones, you might want to take pictures of screens that apply to you, something that you, a place where you might want to plug in and get involved at the chapel. So we welcome you if you're a first-time guest today. There's a connection card right in front of you. Fill that out in its entirety, and it gives us an opportunity to connect with you. Also, we encourage you to find us on our website and scroll to the bottom of uh, midsizechurch.com. At the bottom, there's an icon where you can connect with us on social media, and that really does keep you up to date on week-to-week occurrences at the church, and um, love to have you connect with us on social media. So hope is here. Hope is here. Our campaign is coming up in the month of October. We want you to be here on October 23rd. It's a great Sunday to invite your friends. We'll start with brunch and then have all family worship. There's lots of cool stuff happening that day. So make sure that you mark your calendar, plan your vacations around the Hope is Here campaign. We want you here on uh, October 23rd. Also, there's a women's Bible study starting October 12th. There's currently uh, a craft connection group that meets here on Tuesday nights at 6.30. And so in the next couple of weeks, if you want to connect, come to the main building Tuesday nights at 6.30. It's a great place to connect with other women around a project that you might be doing hands-on. But then October 12th, we'll be starting a study for all the the groups, um, all women in the church. And so make sure that you mark your calendar for that. Tuesday evenings at 6.30 here at the chapel in the main building. There's also an opportunity. I'm sorry we don't have the slides. We tried to get those up and going today. But anyway, again, connect on social media and you'll you'll be able to remember these details. But um, the month of October up through uh, the 30th, the last Sunday in October, we want you to designate a special offering for Pleasant Hills Children's Home. It's the children's home that we have the opportunity along with area churches to support that children's home. And we'd love for you to just bring grocery cards. It could be Kroger or Walmart or designate your offering to Pleasant Hills Children's Home on Sunday mornings when you attend. And we want to really make this the best year ever to stock their pantry. You know, um, we'd love for you to be involved in an outreach that's coming up. So there's an outreach next Sunday, October 1st. So I'd love for Quentin Harrop just to raise his hand. So Quentin attends our church, and he actually loves to do neighborhood evangelism. And so that's what will be going on on October 1st. It's um, at 5 o'clock in the evening. It's called Jesus in the Park. We're giving opportunity for people to connect with Jesus. Also, just to have face-to-face connection with someone. You know, someone who cares about them, and um, you might have an opportunity just to have conversation, or you can also have opportunity to pray with someone if they're open. So the gospel is going to be preached in an open uh, space, so we want you to be a part of that. Our church will be there with music, and so that's coming up October 1st, Jesus in the Park. Now, if you're interested in that, there will be a meeting right here at the front of the sanctuary uh, with Quentin following the service. So if you want to be involved in that in any way, um, just connect with Quentin right here at the front of the sanctuary following the service. Thank you, Gwen. I give her the responsibility of remembering all that so she could inform you. You guys look good. Have you ever just stopped and thought, you know, sometimes we think, you know, I I wish I was 
25 again, or I wish I was 32 and a half again. Or, but let me tell you, your future self will always look back on today and wish you were here. So take advantage of this moment right now. It's a good moment. If you've ever looked in pictures, albums, now there's not too many of those. You look back on your phone maybe 10 years later, you go, hey, I still got that shirt. But you go, man, I looked young. But that's what you're going to do in the future about right now. So in a few minutes, we're going to kind of bring this sermon series to a conclusion. And I want you to try to absorb everything that you've heard over the last few weeks that we can apply it to the next series that we're going to go through. Let's pray. Father, today as we go into the Word of God, help us to take this moment and take advantage of it and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, you said that fertile ground, God, good soil will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold return. And Father, when the Word of God is planted into our lives, that God, that's what we're asking today. That God, the things that is coming across and into our ears, into our eyes, that Father, we would receive that. In your name we pray this. Amen. We, we, we're in a series, and we're, it's titled uh, The War Within. And this is kind of the third part of it. And we just came out of a series called uh, Inviting God into Our Difficulties. Because a lot of times in our difficulties, we pray that God takes us out. But a new way of thinking is saying, God, come into my difficulties and, and help me and, and teach me, God. Because in the middle of this, I know that you're going to go through it with me. You're not waiting on the other side of the tunnel, and I can't see any light right now, but one day, God, I know that you'll be with me. No, no. God says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. This series, The War Within, and we're talking about us being uh, warriors, but at the same time, I want to remind you that when you come to know Christ, and if you're here and you've never made a decision, you can go, go to church, I guess, for your whole life and never really make a decision to serve God. But to make Him Savior of your life is one thing. Saying, God, come into my life. And to realize that He loved us so much. If you just slow down and say that sometimes, you'll, you'll really get the revelation. Because we all know, we've all heard it if we've gone to church. But just slow down. That God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for us. That our sins might be forgiven, that we might spend eternity with him. That, that's an amazing love. We sing about it every Sunday. As Brianna uh, encouraged us this morning, uh, that as we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, things begin to line up, our priorities. So that this series in talking about being a warrior is, is another level of just not walking in the revelation of salvation, but also realizing that God wants to be our Lord of our life, to give Him control of our life. That we don't just say, God, I need fire insurance, I don't want to go to hell, but God, that I want you to guide my life because you said that you came to give me life to the full, even to the overflow. And Father, I want to experience that for my life. Now, God, I, I know that you never promised me a rose garden. See, sometimes we think that. I shouldn't ever have to go through any difficulties. But that's where the last series comes together with this series. And we realize that the war within us is the old self that we used to be. The Bible says that we, as believers, we come to know him. We make him not only savior of our life, but then we make him Lord of our life. And we walk in obedience of what God has for us because he is God and we're not. 
But here's the thing is as we're walking and we're getting to a point of saying, okay, God, I trust you and I'm going to be obedient in the things that you have asked me to do. There's a transformation that takes place. Uh, Romans chapter 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know God's perfect and pleasing will. See, a lot of times we think, God, if you just wrote it right up there on the wall, it'd be so much easier. I'd do what you say. Or God, if you just take away my free will, I don't even have to make a choice. You already made the choice for me. I'd be a good Christian. But again, the love of God comes in and says, if you follow my way, if you read the word of God, if you apply the word of God to your life, then there's a transformation that takes place. You're putting off the old self, the old man, and you're putting on the new man, and you're walking in the spirit, not the flesh. Now, again, we talked about the illustration a couple weeks ago about Jacob. Jacob was born, and his name was trickster or deceiver. He went through the first part of his life just a rascal. I mean, that guy was someone you had to sleep with one eye open if he was around you. But later in life, when he had a God moment, wrestled with God, God changed his name into Israel, which means the prince of God. And while he began to walk in that new identity, the old self would rise up inside of him, and every once in a while, you would see it in Scripture, just like you and I. I told you stories about me, and maybe a little bit more transparent now, a couple weeks later looking back. But we all have those times, don't we? When we walk as Israel, <clears throat> but the Jacob inside rises up in us. If we're in traffic, or if we've lived with somebody more than about five years, you know what I'm talking about, husbands and wives? And the Jacob wants to rise up the old self inside of us and yell and scream. And some of us realize that the old Jacob is not just in anger, but it's in fear. That we don't walk in fear as believers, even though there's times that come into our life that we see fear come into our life. That's when we tell ourselves, uh-uh-uh-uh. If God is with me, there's no reason for me to walk in fear. Now this morning, I want you to see this because as we talked about Jacob and the carnal desires in our life, and they want to come, and there's people, let's be honest, if it wasn't for people, we would be perfect Christians and we'd have all the fruit of the Spirit working, you know? <clears throat> but people have a way, and, and some people even more than others, have a way of pushing our button. And, and maybe you could say, you know, Pavlo's theory where they rang the bell and the dog would salivate and then they'd ring the bell and feed him and then he'd salivate and feed him and then salivate after ringing the bell. Well, sometimes they said if they just rang the bell and didn't even feed him, he'd still salivate and that's with you and I, not just feeding, because that, that's me, but that's maybe not you. But here's what I'm talking about, is sometimes people can ring the bell, and what it's called, it's a cue, it's a trigger. And, and there's a habit that's running subconscious in our life, and sometimes we're not even aware of it, we think we're in control, but the old self inside of us come out because something triggered us emotionally, and in that cue, that, that uh, something went off on the inside of us, and there was a craving to get even or our flesh to just want to come out and be mean or to walk in fear, whatever it is. <clears throat> and then when we responded to that and we got the reward of that, we look back and we go, hey, what, what, what was all that about? I shouldn't have been doing that. Now this morning, the message that I want you to see as we come to the end of this series is 
The, the main thing is that putting off your old self and putting on your new self as a transformed believer, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be overnight. And I don't care if you're a Christian for a hundred years, you're going to deal with this your entire life. But here's the main thing that you need to realize is that as we depend on God and God will take away the things in our life or if we're still in those circumstances, that's why he gives us grace to be able to overcome that. Some people get in a place where they say, God, I I can't do this. I'm out. Or they stop believing that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. But I want you to hear this. When the enemy does come against us, because I believe that we can use ourselves as the enemy. I mean, sometimes we are the enemy of our own self and our own accomplishment and our own advancement in the things of God, in the kingdom of God. But also there is the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucy, Fur. You know what I'm talking about. And he is there to... The Bible says in John 10.10, he comes to steal, kill, and... Destroyed, but why don't we believe that at times? But he's there not just to stop us from progressing and accomplishing the things right now that we're in, but he comes to stop us of where he believes that we have the potential of going. Now, that should speak to some of us because what happens is you might think, you know, I'm not that big, but if you look back on your life where God has brought you, even though you may have lost some of the battles, you haven't lost the war. Your story is not completed yet. Again, if you believe of who you are in Christ Jesus, you can say that you are a blessed person, a world changer, an overcomer. You're a history maker. You're a world changer in in the course of the people that are around you. There are people that you say, oh, they don't need me. But if you've ever watched It's a Wonderful Life, boy, I tell you what, somebody wrote that that might have been a little bit of a believer because he talks about his life and how the effect that he never saw on other people that all his life. And that's the way you are. You have children. You have work associates. You have husbands and wives and, and people that are around you in your inner circles that just in your influence in their life, in doing what we're talking about, in being obedient to the things of God in your life, and even though you might not be perfect, you say, God, I need your grace in this, that again, you get up, you don't quit, and you keep going. See, when you hear about this uh, kind of thing, you know, some people want to just respond. Do you know what I'm talking about? You'll wait until something comes into your life, circumstances. You know, somebody at work is playing politics and and all of a sudden you want to react to what is happening. But here's what I want you to know and what I want to maybe teach is being proactive in your thinking, but also in your behavior. Now, this is what God has created. The anointing of God is on you, not just to point the problem, but to solve the problem. Let me put it this way. Proactive thinking is self-initiated behavior. It's it's your initiation on your own behavior that endeavors to solve a problem before it has occurred. Proactive behavior, it involves acting in advance of future situations rather than reacting to them. It's building a fitness center instead of just building hospitals. 
Can I get an amen? So this morning, I want you to see as as we as believers and as we're progressing and we're advancing, there is an old self that wants to rise up inside of us. But there's also people that the enemy likes to bring about and, and push the buttons and ring the bells that subconsciously, maybe even consciously, the old self comes up and keeps us from advancing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says that if you continue to walk in the flesh, it leads to death. A couple of weeks ago, I brought this out to me. Not physical death, but as far as all the abundant life that God has come to give you, it falls short because you're walking in the flesh and not the spirit. The things that God has prepared for you in advance, as Ephesians 2.10 says, before the foundations of the earth for us to do good works, we pull up short. And let me tell you, some people, not everybody, but some people then begin to blame God for not being the giver of abundant life in their life when they have chose not to walk. Now, listen, being in a proactive way is not easy. But the world around you definitely needs you to begin thinking in advance, I will not allow that person to ring the bell today in my life. Amen, Pastor John. Preach it, boy. I just wanted to do that because I have this going on in my life too. So no judgment on you. But if we're advancing, if we're progressing, if we're getting closer to God and the things of God, there's going to be things that we have to settle in our life right now and be proactive and say, that's not going to keep me from going forward. The enemy also will not allow me to go forward if I continue to hear him instead of the things of God. Listen to this. In Isaiah chapter 43, God says to Israel and to Jacob and to you. Now this is what the Lord says. He who created you and formed you, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. You know what redeemed is? I bought you back. I've restored you to better than beginning. I've redeemed you. Listen to this. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Now that's a new identity. And until you get to the place in your Christian walk that your belief system believes that, and you create all your belief system on the fact of your new identity in God, until you do that, you will not choose to put on the new self. You will not choose to read the Word of God, and you will not choose to allow that to transform your mind. But the day that your belief system changes, as we've talked about several times, you begin to make choices out of that that will put you in experiences that will prove that God is who he says he is. There's some people that will walk around and they just don't think they look like they just ooze with God. I mean, they just I mean, things are going well. And you go, man, does this did that guy where'd that guy? See, just like the person that goes to church every week, but it seems like they're always in a trial. Nobody can see a lot of times the root that lays underneath that they're doing while nobody's watching them. Now, I'm not saying that if you have circumstances that are negative, that you're not a follower of God or you're not doing everything right. But I am saying this, the more that you're in the word of God, the more that your mind is transformed, the more that you see the things of God is true and not, well, it works for some and not others. 
the more that you take the word of God as truth, you'll begin to see that the God of the universe that created the planets and the stars all the and your fingers and your eyeballs, and all, he might know a little bit more about it than you and I. A little bit. God says, don't fear, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. That's our new identity. When you walk in that identity, let me, let me tell you about identity. When Jesus was baptized, you know, by John the Baptist, and, and, and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you realize that when he heard that identity, before he heard that identity, we don't see that he did miracles. But once his new identity came into effect, look at this. I, I want you to, if, if we have this, you need to take a picture. We can only fulfill our supernatural destiny to the decree that we believe our supernatural identity. Until you realize that you're the child of God, and it, that John Miller didn't say that, that's in the Word of God. But as soon as he's baptized and God declares this over Jesus' life, he begins to be tempted. He's led out into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. The Bible says two of the three temptations that the devil brings against him is against his identity. Do you remember? The, the, the devil says two times, if you're the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. And the second time he says, if... Now, if you're the Son of God, jump off the temple roof. Now, now, why is it so important? This is why it's so important to me and so important to you. Because the enemy was saying, do you really believe? Then prove it. And Jesus would come back with the Word of God. Again, a transformed believer as an example to you and I. He comes back by saying, this is what the Word of God says filtering out all the temptation that the enemy's trying to get him to prove it and therefore not really believing that he was the Son of God. And the same thing is that he would have had to uh, go the rest of his life trying to prove through things that he would do that he was who God said he was. Again, walking in your supernatural identity will fight against you continually trying to prove your acceptance from God. Now hear this, because when you walk in your identity, you begin to filter out the enemy trying to come against you, trying to get all the, we don't war against flesh and blood. I never saw Satan, but boy, he looks a lot like my boss. He looks a lot like my temptation, my addiction. Let me tell you that... that when we get to the place when we understand there is an enemy that's trying to come against our identity and what we're trying to do, our people are trying to do sometimes is bring the bell in our life to get the Jacob, the old nature to come out. See, we're already aware of what the enemy or the people that are against us as far as uh, the enemy working through them. We're already aware so we can be proactive in thinking that's not going to get me today. When we walk in the Spirit, if we're not careful, we think that it's just you know something that we do naturally every day. But it's important to get our minds right and stay in that right frame of thinking on a daily basis. Amen, John. 
Again, knowing our true identity in God prevents performance for approval. Again, the series inviting God into our difficulties and then winning the war within that we're walking not in the flesh, but by the Spirit. Now, the last part of my message before we take the Lord's Supper, which again reminds us of what God did for us, and it reminds us of who we are in Him with the covenant. Then at the end of the Lord's Supper, the communion time, what we're going to do is we're going to have prayer teams come up here, and if you feel like you've been struggling or even fighting, or even if you want to go forward in God, any opportunity to come up and agree in prayer with these wonderful people that will be in, across the front at the end of the service. But now I want you to see again and remind you of here's Jesus and he's here three years and he begins to teach these people, disciples, we know 12 of them, but then there was others that were following how to do this and not allow the enemy to come in and tempt them. And they always, always were getting off track, so it makes you and I know that we don't have to be perfect to be a follower of God, but God uses us. These disciples were in a place of learning their identity and walking in their new identity, not their old nature. I, I want to use an illustration that I did a couple weeks ago, and it was when Jesus says to his disciples at this point, they've had a great time, the crowd's around them, they've, they've had, you know, great service and feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus comes down and says, I want to go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Now, again, if Jesus says that, we should be more assured that we're going to make it to the other side. If Jesus would have told his disciples, I want to go to the other side. And a few minutes when the storm comes up, they would have been, can we go with you? But Jesus said, Let's go to the other side. They get into the boat. And in Mark chapter 4, it says a furious squall, a storm came up. Again, circumstances. Waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, this is an illustration that you can verbally make a picture of. You can see guys in a boat, and the, the boat rocking, and the pastor can be very dramatic in how it does. And we could have a crack of thunder through the sound But just say this. Circumstances were really, really rough. Have there been rough in your life? Huh? Have you ever gotten to a place where like three things happened bad in maybe 24 hours? One time it happened to me, and I regret it now looking back, but here's what happened is I, I went somewhere, and as I'm getting into my vehicle, I look over there, and there's a dog looking at me, and I go, He'll probably bite me too. You begin to be programmed to look for the negative stuff that's going to happen. These guys are fishermen. They get into the boat. The circumstances that we're talking about that were rough was the boat in the storm that's coming. If a storm comes, I'd much rather be on the shore when you than in the boat. But they're in a boat. Are you guys in a boat? Right now in your life. And you're thinking, my goodness, I don't want to be here. Now, they yell out, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Because he's sleeping in the front of the boat. Again, as an example to you and me, have you ever been in a circumstance that is rough? You don't want to be here and you're going, God, hey, 
Did you fall asleep? I'm over here. Now we're talking about putting on our new self. <laughs> we're talking about being proactive. So if you think about this, and I'm not talking negative, but this is life. All through our life, we're either uh, entering a storm, we're in a storm, or we're just coming out of a storm. And I'm not talking about every day of our life, but through the seasons of our life, we're going to have difficulties. But it is what you do in those difficulties that you'll see advancement take place. Can I again remind you? Love your neighbor as yourself. So I need you to advance so that you can show me and help me advance. I don't need the, the storm to be blown in John Miller's life and everybody going, oh my goodness, I don't know how you're going to make it. I had a friend and he didn't make it. He looked a lot like you. Didn't have it as bad as you, but boy, he didn't make it. Come on now. Or somebody just going, you got a problem. You got a problem. I can see it. Everybody can see it. That's a dog, a, a, a bird dog, pointer. They can point the problem out. I tell you what the problem is. Don't tell me the problem. I know the problem. They're in a problem. And, and Jesus gets up and, and listen to this. He quiets the storm. He says, quiet, be still. And the waves and the wind calm down. But then he comes to teaching point. And he says, why are you still afraid? Now, again, I'm talking about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. Walking in the spirit and not the flesh. Being proactive in the middle of the storm in the circumstances of our life and saying, God, I trust you are going to bring me through this. I'm going to watch what I say. That's hard, isn't it? It's kind of like that last fruit of the Spirit that always trips you up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and everybody loves that. But then they get to self-control and they go, Arr! <laughs> To watch what you say in the middle of it? Why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, he's already talked about the, the, just the size of a mustard seed. If your faith was just, you could move mountains. They had no faith. That means they already are convinced that they're going down. Now, let me quickly, because we went through this. They are going to see the storm die down. They're going to look and go, man, who is this guy? If they weren't convinced he was the Messiah... They should be now. But they'll still show up the old self if they're not careful all the way through. James and John once called down, you know, lightning and kill people. <laughs> Sons of thunder, you know. Peter's lopping off ears. They get to the other side. And I'm sure they're like, whew, that was close. But just to get to a place where they see a demonic man. Now, what did Jesus say when they were in the storm? Why are you still afraid? Do you have no faith? I, the Bible doesn't tell us what they were look like, looking like when that demonic came out. Jesus! 
Do everybody, everybody know? This is a different circumstance than the storm. This is a cray-cray right here. And he wants to not only cut himself, but he wants to get you. But it's still a different circumstance. What we do know is that the storm did not prevent Jesus from delivering the man that was demonic. What seemed like something that could have kept them from seeing a miracle, Jesus said, no, no, we're going to the other side. And there was a reason. They get out. The demonic man comes out. Jesus delivers him. He's sitting in his right mind because he's been delivered. The people of the town come out. and They say, what in the world can you please leave our area? Now, just let me, these are things I want to sew up in this. Is walking in the spirit is so much different than the flesh, but the flesh even wants to come out and, and sometimes kind of uh, kind of mask itself as walking in the spirit, the flesh. Watch this. Is when somebody's trying to encourage you, would you please be encouraged? Yeah. Have you ever seen a I don't care who he is, a preacher or, you know, whatever. And somebody's trying to encourage them. I hate him. I hate that preacher. Why do you hate him? Well, he just doesn't teach the whole gospel. Well, is he teaching, you know, satanics? No. Teaching bad stuff? Not really. What's he teaching? Well, too much faith. What? He's always got a smile on his face and he's standing up there and he's saying good stuff and what? Have you ever realized, I, I, I played racquetball with a guy and this was some time ago and he's a Christian and he, we we're kind of taking a breath and he goes, hey, you know about that guy? Yeah, I know about that guy, that pastor, that preacher, yeah. He says, uh, what do you think about that guy? I said, He's on my team. You know, I don't care. You know, I like him too. <laughs> see, see the, the, the flesh can put a costume on that looks so spiritual. See, see, walking in deception, and that, that's, and again, we give the Pharisees, you know, they're the, everybody talks about the Pharisees, and but they were the good people. They were just deceived. They were wrong. Kind of embarrassing, isn't it, to be wrong? That's the problem with deception. It's just so deceiving, huh? Let me tell you this, because I want to get into this before we're done is working on walking in the Spirit and not the flesh, is realizing that when the circumstances are not good, that God still is working in our life to bring the very best possible for those that love God. Now, on the outset, it doesn't look like He's doing that. Therefore, the Jacob inside of us can rise up and scream, or the disciples can jump up and go, Why are we in the storm? instead of, again, inviting God into the difficulties. When I think about things like divine interruptions that we talked about, 
and God showing up in, in times that we are interrupted in our schedules or when we're walking and we say, you know, God, I, I don't know why this is happening and this is, this is just, this, this, you can't help me here. When you think about stories, and, and again, as examples in this, is when, when you think about the children of Israel being in slavery in Egypt, and you think about Pharaoh getting jealous because the, the Israelites are getting too strong, and just makes a declaration that all the babies are going to be killed. That's pretty horrible. But when God's provision is there and he makes a way where there seems to be no way, the, the, really the Savior that he chooses to bring to the Israelites is a man named Moses. Now, does this not just ting your brain when you think about the guy that is the most influential going to be in the whole country? The Bible says that his mother knows that he's getting probably too old and he's going to be discovered and killed as a baby. She puts him in a little boat and floats him down the river with a hope that maybe somebody could rescue him. And who rescues him? It's Pharaoh's daughter, the actual king of Egypt that has made the declaration to kill the kids. And Pharaoh's daughter takes this little Hebrew baby into her home. This is mind-boggling. And, and in the middle of all these difficult circumstances, God has a way of providing and brings in this baby into Pharaoh's house. And right under his nose is a child that is being raised. And, and, and one day he'll lead all the Israelites to the promised land. Can I encourage you again, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of circumstances that are yelling, don't allow the old self to come and be in charge of your life. It's your free will that will make that choice. And as we walk in the Spirit, we see the things that God has promised has come to pass. When, when you think about Herod, we all celebrate in a few more months. I don't know if you realize this, but in a few months, Christmas is going to happen. So just a little advice, start saving now so it helps. But we celebrate Christmas, and in that story, Herod, the, the wise men, come and say, you know, where's the king of the Jews? And we've come, we followed his star. And then Herod says, when you find him, when you find Jesus, really, come back and tell me so I can worship him. Ah, ah, ah. I'm going to go kill him. But the wise men go a different way home. You remember the story? And the Bible says that Herod gets so furious because he's been tricked that he's going to kill every child two years and under in that whole area. But God, the Father, tells Joseph in a dream to take Jesus to Egypt. Now, now is it amazing how the most difficult circumstances God can provide a savior for us, a rescue. You know, when we see and we celebrate at Easter, the Friday before the Sunday, we call it Good Friday. Do you realize that they did not call Good Friday Good Friday on that Friday? They didn't say that maybe for a whole other generation when they looked back on it. The disciples thought they were betrayed and deceived. The people that loved Jesus cried and mourned and thought, 
he's gone. It's over. No hope. See, they would have called it Deceived Friday. Betrayed Friday. No hope Friday. But see, God had a plan. It was working and working. And then we all later look back and go, wow, why did they doubt? Let me encourage you today that God has a plan in your life. And I don't know where you're going right now in your life. I, I know what direction that you're pointing. But I want you to be encouraged this morning to realize that even though at times it seems so dark, God has a plan that will bring you out of that. And you don't know how many times that the enemy has wanted to defeat you finally. But God says, oh no, no. He or she is my child. Some of the difficult times in our life here at the church, I look back and I, I think and I think, wow. And every time I tell the story and in a few weeks at Thanksgiving time period, I'll, I'll reflect on that to remind us how good God is, kind of like taking the Lord's Supper, of reminding how good God is. But I, I think back in, in the times that when we, when we bought this land, you know, we, we initially were in a daycare on Basswood and Riverside, a little kinder care. I mean, we were hanging up mobiles at, on the ceiling tiles after service and turning back on the pinball machine, all the things that, you know, good churches do, you know, after service. In the middle of the service, I mean, in the middle of the time that we were in the daycare, they came in and said, Pastor, we apologize, the biggest room that you meet in, we're going to have to put a lockers right in the middle of it. So it's about four foot tall, and so half the congregation sit on this side, and half of them sit on that side. And then when people came in, because there's only one door right here, you know, that you'd come in, that, that they would sit down, and then at the end they'd stand up and go, I didn't even know he was at church today, because they were just right on the other side of the lockers. Couldn't even see each other. We tried to look for land and land and land. And in the middle of this, think about this. When we sold our building in Haltom City on 28 and Layton, you could buy land all day for 10,000 an acre in this area because there was nothing over here. There wasn't any water. Keller absorbed all the water rights, but they weren't big enough to put in the water. So in the year 2000 is when the water rights went back to the big Fort Worth that could come in and then advancement. But we sold that building in 1995, and for five years we were in transition. I even became a real estate agent. We got my license because I knew those, real, those owners weren't calling me back because we were a church. And that's true to some extent. They knew that if a church went in that they would regulate what went around it. And I prayed and I prayed and I said, God, and, and there was a piece of property that came open and it was down in the middle and it took, you know, two maps and an Indian guide to find it. But I was, gonna, I was convinced that was our new home. God shut the door. God, you called me into the ministry, but you didn't call me to relocate a church. And I remember in the middle of the storm, I thought, God, where are you? Somebody, a real estate agent said, there's a piece of property that's going to come up for auction. And, and it's 20 acres, and I think that you're, you could get it for about 100000 I said, what? Yeah, call me back on Monday. <laughs> so I call them back on Monday, no answer. Tuesday, no answer. Wednesday, no answer. Thursday, no answer. Friday, no 
said, oh, I'm sorry. It sold for 100000 to me. <laughs> the guy had bought it. God! I remember being so disappointed and thinking, we're going to meet in a daycare the rest of our church history. Or somebody else, because I'm not going to be the pastor of this church. And if you know the story, and I'll say it again, so laugh again, but God said, drive down Golden Triangle. Remember, we're in Haltom City. It's about 20 miles away. And I want you to get all the real estate numbers. And I called them. And this property opened up. He said, I have 10 acres. It's got floodplain on it. $135,000. I said, let us come look at it. We looked at it. I could tell you more, and I will later, but we bought it for $135,000. If you look, and I invite you to look at the goodness of God, if you go to tad.org, which is tarantappraisaldistrict.org, the, the tax office will always appraise your houses and businesses for less than actually they're worth because they don't want to argue that much point, you know, on the point of how much you think it's worth or not. But they always value it a little bit less. If you'll go today and look at what the property is worth at 10 and a half acres, including our buildings down there with Axiom Coffee and the real estate building, right now it's worth $10.1 million. $135,000 for the property. God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. If you will... Watch the old self wanting to jump up and take control. If, if you allow people to come into your life and ring the bell so that you, you get all mad and get all fearful, you'll never see everything that God has for you. This morning, as we get to this time in the service, I'm going to ask you to respond to what the Holy Spirit has told you through this message and through this series. Where are you? I've been honest with you and transparent. I've told you stories that are not so attractive about John Miller. Not so that you wouldn't think, oh, he never has any problems in his life. and He walks on a cloud. He's married to a little blonde-headed lady. Head. He don't have any problems. But I'm telling you, the more that I learn this principle of not allowing the old self to rise up inside of me, Walking in the spirit, not the flesh. Not allowing the enemy to use people to push buttons and ring bells that I get upset. The more that I see God work in my life. So this morning I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. And I'm going to ask you to take out this little container. If you're like me, you need a little head start in getting the bread out, so go ahead. We do not have any communion police that will buzz you or anything like that, so feel free to go ahead. In a few seconds, I'm going to have Lisa sing.
But I want to take the Lord's Supper first. And then when we're done taking the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up. I'm going to ask you to stand. But as we take this, as you're seated, the bread represents the body of Christ. And, and as we do this, we're reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us. But we're also, listen, listen, we're reminded of the covenant of what we're doing when we're, when we're taking the Lord's Supper. The, the covenant of the new covenant is better than all the promises of the old covenant in the Old Testament. All the promises are yes and amen if we agree. Yes, and then it's our amen. It's so be it. So this morning, would you take the bread that represents the body of Christ? Let's take it together. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We remember what you did for us. We're so thankful. The cup with the juice represents the blood of Christ, which again, the blood forgives our sins and also heals our sickness and our diseases. We believe of what Jesus did. By his stripes, we are healed. Let's take the cup together. Father, I pray for healing in bodies today. God, we know our sins are forgiven if we receive your forgiveness. And God, today, I, I just pray that as we respond to the Holy Spirit in our life, that we begin to see our lives changed. The God, that the enemy is trying to attack us on where we're going. And Father, we say no to that. We decide to walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. In your name we pray, God. Amen. Would you stand with me? And as Lisa leads us into some worship, I'm going to ask our prayer teams, those that have been asked, would you just come down to the front? And as we, as we sing, would you that have a need in your life, it doesn't matter, just come and pray with these in agreement where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. So let's worship God. They say this about